All right, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Special podcast episode this week and my favorite one that I've been doing for about three years now. A couple times I've done this on my radio show, the Final Final back at Madison uh, at the WSUM radio station. Then I did another one on the student section podcast that I started at the radio station there as well. This is my mock draft episode as we are one week away from the 2020 NFL Draft, which will be completely virtual this year, actually just under a week away now. So this will be my Mock Draft 2.0 that I'll be going off of for this episode. I'll be comparing it to my Mock Draft 1.0 where I've had quite a few changes, including this time. For the first time, I've mocked a trade, which we'll get to later, and I added a second round in this Mock Draft 2.0 as well. I spend a lot of time deciding these picks in my analysis for them, so hopefully you'll enjoy this episode maybe just half as much as I do because uh, it's definitely my favorite but I'll I'll get right to it here the article of my second mock draft will be on my website thefinalfinalofficial.com right after this episode so feel free to check out the entire thing after listening to this episode all right so now without further ado we'll get started here on my mock draft 2.0 with pick number 1 I love playing that sound. It's always one of my favorite parts of doing this episode. So the Cincinnati Bengals with the first pick this year, pretty simple. Joe Burrow, quarterback from LSU. I mean, most mock drafts that you see have Joe Burrow going first overall. The Ohio native coming back to Cincinnati makes perfect sense. Second year head coach, Zach Taylor. He'll be excited to bring in a quarterback, his own guy that he can coach up from there. And, I mean, it, it makes sense. He's got weapons that he'll be able to work with. A.J. Green, who is going to be staying on the team. Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. I mean, last year's first-round pick, Jonah Williams, offensive tackle. He'll be healthy, too, to help with that Bengals offensive line. Joe Burrow has some things to work with here, and I think that's why uh, it's kind of a, a good fit here with Joe Burrow to the Cincinnati Bengals. So then we'll go ahead and move on now to pick number two, the Washington Redskins. They're going to take pass rusher Chase Young out of Ohio State. I got to watch this guy a couple times up close when he played Wisconsin this year, both when they played in the regular season and they played in the Big Ten Championship. This guy had the one game where he had four sacks on that Wisconsin offensive line. This dude is for real. I mean, people are talking about him as the number one overall prospect in this draft. No question about it. Just the speed and the use of his hands to get around offensive linemen is just incredible. So when they're when NFL scouts are talking about him as a surefire, real deal kind of prospect, they're they're not kidding here. And Ron Rivera, there's a lot of talk that maybe he wants a different quarterback other than Dwayne Haskins. I think you can't pass up on Chase Young at this point. Ron Rivera can hang his hat on having one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL. We saw what the San Francisco 49ers were able to do with a team like that, having the best defensive line in football. Now the Redskins can have Chase Young on one side, last year's first-round pick Montez Sweat coming off the other side, and then they still have the two Alabama guys up the middle, and I believe Deron Payne and Jonathan Williams as their defensive tackles. So that's going to be a really tough group to slow down, and we saw, like I already mentioned, what the 49ers were able to do with such a good defensive line. Now Washington can have one of the better defensive lines in the NFL as well. So, then, 
We get to the third pick with the Detroit Lions. There's a lot of talk about Detroit possibly trading down in this spot. It's a really popular spot for teams if they want to move ahead of both the Dolphins and the Chargers to get maybe Tua Tagovailoa here. I've got the uh, the Lions staying put and taking Jeff Okuda, the cornerback out of Ohio State. My first three picks, same from Mock Draft 1.0. So the Lions traded away top cornerback Darius Slay this offseason to the Philadelphia Eagles. Lucky enough for them, they're able to replace him right here with Okuda from Ohio State. He's getting a lot of comparisons to the defensive player of the year this year in Stephon Gilmore. Matt Patricia would love to have a number one lockdown cornerback right here. So they'd have Okuda on one side. And then they recently just signed Desmond Trufant from Atlanta. So Detroit's secondary could turn into a little bit of a plus for them on this defense now with Okuda and Trufant there. So then with the fourth pick, New York Giants, I have them taking Isaiah Simmons this time, the linebacker from Clemson. This is my first change from Mock Draft 1.0. I gave the Giants an offensive tackle last time around to protect Daniel Jones and help out Saquon, but I think it's a much deeper offensive tackle class than it is for maybe some playmakers on defense like Isaiah Simmons. You're not going to find another guy like Isaiah Simmons in this draft, so I think with an early second round pick, the Giants will be able to take an offensive tackle there, and here they can find a difference maker on defense in Isaiah Simmons. And everybody's been calling him the Swiss Army Knife, and they're saying it for a reason. He can drop back and play safety if you need him to. He can be an outside linebacker. He can be the middle linebacker patrolling the field, going sideline to sideline. He can do almost everything. He can play slot corner if you need him to as well, actually. He can match up with tight ends and running backs. He can blitz the quarterback, like I'm saying. Isaiah Simmons is the kind of playmaker that any team would gladly have at this point in the NFL. And the Giants here really need help on defense, as we've seen for the past couple seasons. So they'll take an offensive tackle later on in the draft and get Isaiah Simmons, the Swiss Army Knife linebacker from Clemson. All right. So then the Miami Dolphins here at the number five spot. I have them taking Tua Tagovailoa. There's a lot of talk about the Dolphins actually liking Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, a little bit more. I don't know if there's a lot of truth or what to those rumors been going around, but right now I'm still sticking with the Dolphins taking Tagovailoa, who have been linked to him since the beginning of last year, the NFL season, when it was tank for Tua for the Dolphins, and they ended up with the fifth overall pick. Tagovailoa could be in discussion, actually, for the number one overall pick, I believe, if he hadn't broken his hip, injured his hip this past season. He may be well on his way to Cincinnati, if, if that were the case, but he does have that little bit of injury concern. We've seen all the medical tests and stuff be cleared this offseason. We've seen some of his workouts as well, so... It looks like he's healthy at this point, but if the Dolphins are a little bit worried when they take him here, he can sit a year behind Ryan Fitzpatrick since the Dolphins aren't able to get their own doctors to check out Tua Tagovailoa because of the coronavirus, of course, and social distancing. They weren't able to do it themselves, so they've been going off of other tests that he's had done from his own doctors or independent doctors. Either way, if they're still worried, he can sit behind Fitzpatrick for a year but it looks like he's ready to go for the Dolphins this upcoming season. So that leaves Justin Herbert then, the quarterback from Oregon, going to the Los Angeles Chargers. 
I think this is a pretty good fit here for Justin Herbert. I got to watch him live uh, in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin this past year where he was able to run all over them for three touchdowns. He's a lot more mobile than really I thought, and of course he's got the big arm. He can learn and sit behind Tyrod Taylor, which is what they've been talking about right now. The Chargers is going into the season with Tyrod Taylor as their starter, and if they draft a quarterback, him being the backup and maybe sitting for a season. Me personally, I think this would be a really good spot for the Chargers to sign Cam Newton, give him maybe a two-year contract. He can be your starter for two years and have Justin Herbert learn behind him if you want. So the Chargers missed out on Tom Brady in free agency this past year as he went to the Buccaneers. So they're going to be looking for the quarterback of the future, and I believe that Herbert fits the mold for the Los Angeles Chargers. So then with the seventh pick, we have the Carolina Panthers taking Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn. I originally had them taking Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker, but he goes to the Giants. So now the Panthers have to fill another hole on this defense. There are holes all over the place on this defense. They lost starting corners. They lost their entire starting defensive line. Luke Keekley, their Hall of Fame middle linebacker, unexpectedly retired this offseason as well. But here they're going to fill one of the bigger needs along that defensive front. They lost Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, Vernon Butler, Mario Addison, all with other teams now this past offseason. So Brown can be that guy in the middle of the defense, in the middle of that defensive line. He can get after the quarterback as well. He's not just there to stuff the run. He can kind of do it all. Um, And this will be a really good first step to rebuilding the Carolina Panthers defense. So then... The eighth overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals are taking offensive lineman Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. The Cardinals already select or already filled a huge need on this team this offseason by trading for DeAndre Hopkins, basically stealing him away from the Texans. And now they can give Kyler Murray some time to get the ball to Hopkins down the field with Tristan Wirfs, who is potentially the, the best offensive lineman in this draft class. I have him as the best offensive lineman in this class. The athleticism he was able to show off at the Combine was incredible for a guy his size, and they're going to need some athletic offensive linemen if they're going to protect Kyler Murray, who was sacked, I believe, close to 50 times, if not more than 50 times. And if you have a guy that athletic getting hit that often, the Cardinals are going to need to fix something along their offensive line. And Tristan Wirfs is, I think, the right guy to do it. This Cardinals offense could look a little scary in that NFC West with the Rams, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. That's going to be a really tough division. I think the Cardinals are going to be there to compete this year, so that'll be fun to watch. So then with the ninth pick, the Jaguars, their first of two first-round picks in this year's draft. I have them taking Javon Kinlaw, a defensive tackle out of South Carolina. So they lost Calais Campbell. They didn't lose him. They traded him away to the Ravens. This past offseason, an all-pro defensive tackle along their defensive front. Now they can put Kinlaw in the middle of their defensive line there with Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe on the other side, even though he might be traded, but that's a different discussion. Either way, Kinlaw in the middle with Allen and Ngakwe on the other side is a really good defensive front, so they can replace Calais Campbell here with Javon Kinlaw. Hopefully not skip a beat with that defensive line there. Rounding out the top 10 now is the Cleveland Browns. 
and I have them taking offensive tackle Makai Becton, the big mountain of a man offensive tackle out of Louisville. So the Browns made a couple of splashes this offseason, not as big as last offseason, obviously, when they signed or when they traded for Odell Beckham Jr., but still some pretty significant signings in terms of signing offensive tackle Jack Conklin from Tennessee and the tight end Austin Hooper from the Atlanta Falcons. Just because they signed Jack Conklin doesn't mean that their offensive line is set. They still need a left tackle. Jack Conklin plays right tackle, so they have Becton and Conklin as their bookends along the offensive line. 6'8", 360-pound, super athletic. Makai Becton is now in charge of protecting Baker Mayfield's line side. He's the guy that they've kind of been looking for to replace Joe Thomas since he retired. Now Baker Mayfield in that Browns offense, they really don't have a lot of excuses with an offensive line like this, as I have them taking Makai Becton here and Conklin on the other side. Then you've got Odell Beckham, you've got Jarvis Landry, you got Nick Chubb in the backfield, one of the top five rushing running backs in the NFL. Then now you've got Austin Hooper as well. Really no excuses at this point for the Cleveland Browns offense if they add a top-tier left tackle like Becton this upcoming draft. All right, so we'll get to pick number 11 now in the New York Jets, who I have them taking Jaderic Wills, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. In my first mock draft, I gave them a wide receiver to help out Darnold, but since this is such a deep wide receiver class, I think the Jets will still be able to grab a top-tier wide receiver in the second round. That's kind of been the theory for a lot of these teams who don't take a receiver in the first round, in my opinion, because it's such a deep draft. They'll be able to still grab a really good receiver later on in this draft. So they have I have them taking Jaderic Wills here, the guy that who was in charge of protecting Tua Tugavailoa's blind side. The Jets kind of went for quantity over quality in free agency this year in terms of offensive linemen that they signed. Now they can solidify the left tackle position or the right tackle position with Wills, whichever they choose, to keep Sam Donald protected. Hopefully... It actually helps out Le'Veon Bell as well in the running game, and he'll have a much more productive season as well with Jaderic Wills on that offensive line. So now we get to the Las Vegas Raiders, their first of two first-round picks this year, and I have them taking Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama. The Raiders thought they had their wide receiving core fixed last offseason when they traded for Antonio Brown, but we saw how all that went down. Judy, it's quite possible that he's the best receiver in this draft class, in this really deep draft class, and he would immediately be Derek Carr's number one option, I believe. He could help round out the offense that already has a lot of good pieces in terms of Josh Jacobs is there, Darren Waller, a top tight end is there, Hunter Renfro, a really good slot receiver, Tyrell Williams could be the number two receiver, and then they have a pretty decent offensive line as well. And I think Judy would be a perfect match for John Gruden in this Raiders offense. They like to get the ball out of Derek, Carr and Derek Carr's hands quickly. And I think this is a pretty good match here for the Las Vegas Raiders with their first of two picks in this year's draft. So we go to the San Francisco 49ers with the 13th overall pick. They got this pick when they traded away DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts. So now they're picking in the top 15. I originally had Javon Kinlaw here for them to replace Buckner along that defensive line, but he's gone, and I think they have 
another need that they can fill here, which just works out perfectly. They take C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. So they lost Emmanuel Sanders this offseason to the Saints. There's kind of a need at wide receiver for them. And they can grab probably the most dynamic receiver in this year's draft in C.D. Lamb. He is so good with the ball in his hands after the catch. You've seen all the missed tackles he's able to force when he was at Oklahoma, whether it's with Kyler Murray, he was with Baker Mayfield, and then this past year with Jalen Hurts. So now it's C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle all in that offense. It doesn't matter who the running back is. Kyle Shanahan can get creative with whoever's running the ball. But now this is a pretty scary offense with C.D. Lamb in the works. doesn't really seem fair. A team that was just in the Super Bowl is able to grab a player of this caliber. So a really nice pickup here for the San Francisco 49ers in C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Now we get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won the sweepstakes this offseason by signing Tom Brady, we all remember. Now they need to be able to protect him. Tom Brady is going to be turning 43 years old by the time this season starts. And the best way to utilize him is to make sure he doesn't get injured and to make sure he stays upright. You got to give him time to get the ball to his new weapons in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and the tight ends that he has on this team. So I have them taking Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. He is among the top four offensive tackles. The top four, I believe, and I think a lot of other people would agree. It's Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, Jaderic Wills, and Andrew Thomas. Now the order is switched up between whatever certain scouts or whatever teams think. There's a lot of consensus that those are probably the top four offensive tackles in this year's draft. So Andrew Thomas, a three-year starter out of Georgia, he can stabilize that offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so they can utilize and preserve Tom Brady the best that they can at his age at this point. So if the Buccaneers can come away, come away with one of those top four offensive tackles, I think they'd be pretty happy with this draft, no doubt about it. So then we get to the 15th overall pick. Denver Broncos here select the other wide receiver out of Alabama in Henry Ruggs. The Broncos are going to be a much improved team in 2020, I think, as long as Drew Locke, their now second-year quarterback, takes a nice step forward in his progression. They added some nice pieces on the defensive side. They signed Melvin Gordon to a reasonable contract as well on the offense. Now they can give Locke another weapon on offense. And how about giving him the fastest man in this year's draft in Henry Ruggs? He can just fly by anybody on offense. They'll have Cortland Sutton and Henry Ruggs flanking both sides of Drew Locke, and I think that's a nice uh, couple of options there. They also have second-year tight end Noah Fant, so there's going to be some nice weapons there for the Denver Broncos on this offense. With the 16th pick then, we have the Atlanta Falcons taking C.J. Henderson. I'm sure you've seen by now that the Falcons have a first-rounder at every position on offense, so I think it's time to put some of that capital into their defense now. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that they have just in their division. Tom Brady, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Drew Brees is coming back for the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater just signed with the Carolina Panthers this offseason as well. So they are going to need some help on this defense, which was the weak spot for this team last year. Almost lost head coach Dan Quinn his job. He still has it for this year at least, but if the defense doesn't improve, who knows if he'll be back the year after this one. So C.J. Henderson can be come in, be their new number one lockdown cornerback after they lost Desmond Trufant to the Lions, as I said earlier. 
Henderson, he's got to be able to cover some of these bigger wide receivers. He's a really athletic corner. The only concern is his tackling ability, as he's not necessarily one of the more aggressive tacklers, missing tackles and such like that. But he can definitely be a number one lockdown corner, which the Falcons are going to need in a division with these kind of quarterbacks. So that's how I have C.J. Henderson going here. A lot of talk also about the Falcons possibly being an aggressive team and trading up. Not sure if it's for a cornerback, if C.J. Henderson possibly doesn't fall past maybe the Chargers. I'm sorry, not the Chargers. The Jaguars, who really need a a corner in terms of since they lost Jalen Ramsey this past year. So we'll see if the Falcons are one of the teams that moves up in this virtual draft. We're not sure if trades will be more frequent, less frequent, but we'll see. The Falcons have been rumored and talked about as a team looking to move up for sure. So then we get to the Dallas Cowboys here, and I have them taking Jeff Gladney, a cornerback from TCU. So with Henderson off the board, the Cowboys go with the next best cornerback on their board. Gladney here is the one for me. The Cowboys lost Byron Jones this offseason to the Dolphins, who signed him to a huge contract. So they're going to need some help in the secondary, and Gladney can be that guy. They signed HaHa Clinton Dix for the safety position. They've got a couple of guys along the defensive line to go after the pass rusher. They might be able to get a pass rusher later in this draft as well. Another position to look for here, though, is interior offensive line because they lost Travis Frederick as he retired unexpectedly this this past offseason. So that's a position as well to keep an eye on for the Dallas Cowboys. But I have them taking Jeff Gladney, the cornerback out of TCU. So now we have the Miami Dolphins picking for the second time in this draft. They got this pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers when they traded away Minka Fitzpatrick. Here I have them taking Clavon Chasen, the pass rusher out of LSU. And I think this would be a fantastic get for the Dolphins with their second first round pick. They have a big need at pass rusher. I believe second fewest sacks this past season might be the fewest sacks this past season. Chasen isn't necessarily the biggest pass rusher, but his speed and flexibility will be able to allow him to bend around offensive tackles and get after the quarterback. This is a big need for the Dolphins' defense. They've kind of solidified their secondary. Byron Jones and Xavion Howard back there, so now they're going to need some help getting after the quarterback, and I think Chasen would be a really good, probably the second-best pass rusher in this draft class. This would be a really good get for them at 18. So then... 19 now we have the Las Vegas Raiders their second pick this one comes from the Chicago Bears when they traded away Khalil Mack I have them taking Christian Fulton the cornerback from LSU so the Raiders invested a lot this past offseason on their inside linebacker position they signed Corey Littleton to a big deal Nick Witowski from the Bears they signed him to a deal as well so the Raiders got their weapon on offense now they need a guy who can cover the other team's weapon as well They signed Eli Apple this offseason, but that really isn't solidifying the cornerback position for them. Fulton is is an aggressive cornerback. He doesn't necessarily have elite speed, but he has some intangibles that allow him to make plays in the secondary. I think this is a big need for the Raiders' defense, and here they can fill that need with Christian Fulton. So then we get into the 20s now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, their second pick. They got this one. 
from the Los Angeles Rams, trading away Jalen Ramsey this past year. And they're taking safety Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. So like I said, they lost, not lost, but they need to replace Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye, who they let go to the Denver Broncos. Jalen Ramsey, of course, they traded to the Los Angeles Rams. Xavier McKinney now is another one of those really versatile players on defense in this draft, and he can patrol and fill a couple of those holes in the back end of the secondary for the Jaguars. He can replace not all the production that Ramsey and Bouye had, but he can be really nice. could be a good start, at least, to replacing Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye. So I have Xavier McKinney going to the Jacksonville Jaguars here. So now we get to the Philadelphia Eagles, selecting Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU. This one, it just makes sense for me. Whoever the best wide receiver available is at this pick, the Philadelphia Eagles have to take. I think that's Justin Jefferson at this point. One of the easier picks for me, at least. They've done a nice job, a really good job, actually, upgrading their secondary this offseason. Like I mentioned, they traded for Darius Slay, so now they have their number one corner. They added a really fantastic slot corner in Nikel Roby Coleman, so their secondary is starting to look a lot better. Now they need to give Carson Wentz some help on the offensive side. Justin Jefferson played with Joe Burrow, of course, this past season. Over 110 catches, over 1,500 yards receiving, and 18 touchdowns. Just amazing. He eliminated any doubt that teams would have had about him at the Combine when he ran, I think, under a 4-4 or at least close to a 4-4 at the Combine. So his speed, it really isn't a question. I mean, Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson are still on this team, but they have been injury-prone their whole career. So, I mean, Justin Jefferson can come in and be their new number one receiver, even if Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are still there, would make this wide receiver core much better. But you can't necessarily count on them to be there all the time with their injury history. Justin Jefferson to the Eagles makes a lot of sense to me. So now we get to the Minnesota Vikings with the 22nd overall pick. They got this one from the Buffalo Bills when they traded away Stephon Diggs this offseason. Here... I think they just grab another wide receiver to replace Diggs and pair him with Adam Thielen for Kirk Cousins. And I think that wide receiver is Denzel Mims. Big wide receiver. He's been having a fantastic pre-draft process. The combine he's done really well at. Really, I think, made a lot of people go back and take a second look at his film tape. Continues to climb up the draft boards, I think. And I think he'll be the one that replaces Stefan Diggs. Can be the number two wide receiver behind Adam Thielen in Minnesota now. So then we get to the New England Patriots here with the 23rd pick. I really thought about giving them quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah, but I just don't think that Bill Belichick would take a quarterback with his first overall pick. I think they're going to ride with Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback that they selected last year in either the fourth or fifth round out of Auburn. I think they're going to see what they have in him first before they start to make another move on a quarterback. So instead, I have them taking Zach Bond, the outside linebacker from Wisconsin. A lot of holes to fill on this team, especially on this defense. They lost a lot of guys, but Bond's versatility will be something that the Patriots can really utilize, I think, and that's what's going to attract Bill Belichick and the Patriots to Zach Bond. He can rush the passer. He can drop back and be the inside linebacker, middle linebacker if you need him to. He can. His athleticism allows him to cover running backs coming out of the backfield. I mean, he had 12 and a half sacks this past season for the Badgers. 
I think his versatility, like I said, is going to be what really drives the Patriots towards Zach Bond and make that a pretty good fit there. So now we have the New Orleans Saints with the 24th overall pick. And here I have them taking Patrick Queen. Same pick from my first mock draft. So Drew Brees is back in the fold. I think they can hold off on a top quarterback prospect for at least one more year. If they're thinking about a first-round quarterback, they are still in win-now mode for sure. They've made it to the playoffs and had a bunch of heartbreaking losses. One of the few needs on this team is middle linebacker, and Queen is can be that off-ball linebacker that everyone in the NFL is looking for these days. you got to be more than just a tackling machine to be a middle linebacker in today's NFL, and that's definitely what Queen can do. He can cover guys coming out of the backfield. He can try to match up with tight ends. And he can go sideline to sideline with his athleticism. This is the kind of linebacker that everybody wants in the middle of their field. And here I think the Saints get one in Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU. It kind of seems like a perfect fit here for the Saints and Patrick Queen. So then we get to pick 25. This is the Minnesota Vikings second pick in the first round. And here I have them taking cornerback Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. So the Vikings actually lost three players in their secondary to free agency this year. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander. They're going to need to start replacing some of those losses in the division that they're in with Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and then who knows if it's Mitch Trubisky or or Nick Foles at this point. But either way, there's some good wide receivers and good quarterbacks in this division. So they're going to need some guys to cover these guys. And Trayvon Diggs is a bigger, more aggressive cornerback who can handle these big wide receivers in this league, a guy like Kenny Galladay in his own division. So Trayvon Diggs is actually the younger brother of wide receiver Stephon Diggs, who they just traded away. Came to Alabama as a wide receiver, actually, before converting to the defensive side. So he has great ball skills as well, uh, which makes him a really appealing cornerback in this year's draft. And I think he'll land with the Minnesota Vikings at number 25 here. So then, the Miami Dolphins, this is their third selection in the first round. They get this one from the Houston Texans for trading away Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle. And here, I think they need to take an offensive lineman to protect the new quarterback that they selected with that fifth overall pick. So the top four offensive tackles are gone in Wirfs, Becton, Wills, and Thomas. So the Dolphins kind of have their pick from the next crop of tackles. That could be Austin Jackson. Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, guys like this. And here I think they're going to take Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle out of USC. So they allowed 58 sacks last season, tied for the most in the NFL. You don't want that for a brand new quarterback coming into this league. Could really stunt his growth as a young quarterback. So Austin Jackson allowed only four sacks all of last season with USC. He'll be in charge of protecting whoever the new quarterback is that the Dolphins end up taking, I believe, at five, which in this scenario is Tua Tagovailoa. So I think this is what the Dolphins have to do. It could be with the 18th overall pick, but either way, if they, I believe they take a quarterback with that fifth pick, then with either 18 or 26, the Dolphins have to take an offensive lineman to protect their new quarterback. So then we get to the Seattle Seahawks with pick 27. Don't be surprised. If you see the Seahawks trade down out of this pick, they do it almost every year trading down. Not necessarily out of the first round, but they are a team that always is looking to trade down for some reason. 
either way, I have them taking, and forgive me if I butcher this pronunciation, Yeter Gross Matos, the defensive end out of Penn State. Right now, it doesn't look like the Seattle Seahawks are going to be re-signing Jadavion Clowney. A lot of reports saying that they aren't going to go as high as his asking price is right now. Either way, Seattle was second to last in the NFL last year in terms of sacks with 28. So even if they did bring back Clowney, this would still be a big need for the Seattle Seahawks. Gross Matos racked up 17 and a half sacks the past two seasons at Penn State. Has a lot of upside to his game as well. So I think this is a good fit for the Seattle Seahawks if they decide to stick with this 27th overall pick. So only a couple picks left here in this first round. Baltimore Ravens with the 28th pick. They're taking off-ball linebacker Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Somehow the Ravens were able to get Calais Campbell from the Jacksonville Jaguars for only a fifth-round pick, but they still have one more hole to fill on this defense. They haven't replaced inside linebacker C.J. Mosley, who left last offseason for a big payday with the New York Jets. Now they get their replacement here and maybe even better suited for today's NFL in coverage than Mosley was Kenneth Murray here to replace him at inside linebacker. You saw the Ravens just get torn apart by Derrick Henry in the AFC Divisional game, and their 14-2 season came to an abrupt end. Insert Calais Campbell, insert Kenneth Murray, and their run defense looks a lot more ready for their next encounter with whatever running back they come face-to-face with. So Kenneth Murray here to the Baltimore Ravens makes a lot of sense for replacing C.J. Mosley, which was a big need for their defense here. So then we get to the Tennessee Titans with the 29th pick, and I have them taking A.J. Epineza, the defensive end out of Iowa. So the Titans have had a couple of big losses this offseason, most notably Jack Conklin, like I said, the offensive tackle who signed with the Browns, Jarrell Casey, a defensive tackle who was traded to the Broncos. They could go offensive lineman here, but I think the Titans kind of like what they have in reserve tackle Dennis Kelly, who they re-signed this past offseason to a new three-year contract. So they could go to the defensive side and try to replace some of the production that Jarrell Casey had. They have last year's first-round pick, Jeffrey Simmons, who's coming back off of an ACL injury. He'll be able to plug the middle of the defense. Now they'll be able to get the best available player, which is Epineza, who can help along that depleted who can help along that depleted defensive line. Epineza's kind of been falling a little bit in this draft after testing poorly at the combine, but I think the fall kind of stops here with the Titans. The Titans will like Epineza and what he's been, what he's shown, his production at Iowa, and the Titans will take him here at 29. So now we get to the 30s, and we have the Green Bay Packers taking Josh Jones, an offensive tackle out of Houston. The similar kind of thing here for the Packers as what I did with the Jets. I gave them a receiver with my first mock draft, but with it being such a deep draft for wide receivers, I think the Packers will be able to fill their need of receiver at pick 62 in the second round, which I've done here in this draft. The Packers let longtime right tackle Brian Balaga sign with the Chargers this offseason and instead replaced him with Rick Wagner, right tackle from the Detroit Lions for just a short-term replacement. And the key there is short-term because priority one should always be protecting Aaron Rodgers. Josh Jones played left tackle at Houston, but he could be the long-term solution for the Packers at right tackle. 
opposite David Bakhtiare. If the right receiver falls to the Packers at 30, I think they could go that route with the lack of weapons on this offense outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones around Aaron Rodgers. But it would have to be the right one. Justin Jefferson is a guy that comes to mind if he were to fall there. But the Packers have other needs that need to be filled on this team if they want to be... I mean, they're already close. They're already in championship contention. But if they want to put themselves over the edge, offensive line is clearly a big need for every team with the loss of Brian Balaga, of course. So here, Josh Jones can be their long-term solution at right tackle instead of just plugging in Rick Wagner for a short term. Balaga, one of the top offensive tackles in this league, uh, is going to be a big loss for the Packers. So I think they'll be able to replace that here with Josh Jones and have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, which helps out not just Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Jones as well. And they can get another weapon. Like I said, like the Jets, they can still get a top tier weapon in the second round. So now we get to pick 31. And here is my first ever mock trade that I've done. This is supposed to be the San Francisco 49ers pick. I have made the trade for the Indianapolis Colts to take this pick from the San Francisco 49ers. What they'll have to give up is the Colts own the 34th overall pick. So they give that one to the San Francisco 49ers. It's the second pick in the second round, and they'll probably have to give up maybe like a fifth round or a sixth round pick, maybe two sixth round picks as well to the San Francisco 49ers to make this trade. And I think they'll take Jordan Love here, the quarterback from Utah. And the reason that I've, I've, I needed to get Jordan Love in the first round discussion, I know for a fact that he's going in the first round. Someone's going to want that fifth year option on a quarterback, especially like Jordan Love. It gives them that extra year to decide if then they want to sign him to a contract extension. We saw that this past season with Jameis Winston, who then went out and threw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, and then the Buccaneers decided not to re-sign him. This trade makes sense with the 49ers as well. They're tied for the fewest draft picks this year and could look to add a few more. For the Colts then, they signed Phillip Rivers this past offseason just to a one-year deal. So Jordan Love can be their quarterback of the future. He can sit and learn behind Phillip Rivers for one year, the veteran who I think is close to 38 now. He's got Love is the prospect that has kind of been split for a lot of people. He's got the big arm. He's got the playmaking ability. But also he's got some accuracy issues, which is really concerning to a lot of people. That's one thing that might carry over from college football to the NFL is accuracy. And that's kind of what has a lot of people split. I think, like I said, if he sits a year behind Phillip Rivers, that could be really good for him. He's getting a lot of comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. And if Patrick Mahomes can sit for a season, so can Jordan Love. So that's why I have the Colts trading up into the first round to get Jordan Love here. They get that fifth-year option. Makes sense for both teams. The 49ers want to pick up a few extra picks. The Colts want to find their quarterback of the future. And I think Jordan Love could be that guy for them. And he could sit a year behind Phillip Rivers. So that is my first ever mock trade that I've done in my mock drafts. And I think it worked out pretty good for both teams here. So then with the final pick in the first round of my mock draft 2.0, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah. So back-to-back Utah picks here. The reigning champs, 
Same pick for them as Mock Draft 1.0. They need help in the secondary as they kind of just pieced it together throughout the season last year. They relied just heavily on Patrick Mahomes to bail them out and just score more points than the other team. Obviously, that worked out all right (laughs) as they ended up as the Super Bowl champions. But now they have a chance to upgrade the position and Johnson can start as their number one corner right away. He can move in slot inside to cover the slot if you need him as well. I think this is just a really good pickup for the Chiefs defense, which obviously isn't one of the top tier when you have the best offense in the NFL. This is a good way to upgrade their defense in the NFL draft. So those are my 32 picks for the first round of the 2020 NFL draft. Those are my thoughts. Remember, this article will be on my website, thefinalfinalofficial.com, as soon as I'm done with this episode. I've also added a second round, a couple picks, and I've or all of the second round picks there. I've added some analysis to just a couple of them. So, for example, I'll give you one right here. At 39, the Miami Dolphins have their pick in the second round here, and I've given them Jonathan Taylor. I didn't have a running back selected in the first round. Jonathan Taylor is the number one running back on my board out of Wisconsin. No bias, I promise. <laughs> but I mean, you saw what he was able to do at the combine. He ran under a 4-4 with his size. One of the most productive running backs in college football history. A workhorse. I mean, he'll just be perfect for whatever quarterback the Dolphins decide to pair with him. He can be the quarterback's best friend. You've got Jonathan Taylor, Devontae Parker, a decent trio with whichever quarterback they decide to take for second-year head coach Brian Flores. That's one of my picks that I have in the second round. Another one is the Houston Texans right after them at pick 40, taking T. Higgins. I mean, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins this offseason, which everyone was mind-boggled by. Here they can grab a big-bodied wide receiver, the one out of Clemson. Sure, they traded for Brandon Cooks, but he's got the concussion history as well. So, I mean, here I think they can replace, not replace DeAndre Hopkins. You can't replace a top-five wide receiver with a rookie wide receiver, but still get a really good wide receiver here earlier in the second round. So like I said, the same thing I did with the Jets. The Jets, I've given a wide receiver here in the second round. The Packers, like I mentioned, I gave them a receiver in the second round. But make sure to check out my full second round selections from this article on my website, thefinalfinalofficial.com. I'll post this up there once I'm finished with this podcast episode. So Hopefully you enjoyed listening to my Mock Draft 2.0, at least round one of it. That's always my favorite episode, either show or podcast episode that I do every year for the past three years now. I take a lot of time working on that, so that's always fun for me. But we'll get to my final thought on the day, and that is the NFL. A lot of teams are having new uniforms, new colors released this year. So this uh, past Sunday over an Easter Zoom call with my family, my younger cousin. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's quite 10 yet. He's got to be like 11 or 12 at this point. It's going to be really embarrassing when my family listens to this and they know I don't know how old my younger cousin is. Either way, on this Easter Zoom call, he wanted to give me a podcast idea where I can rank or rate all the NFL team uniforms, whether it's colors, logos, or the entire look that they have and he thought that was an idea for multiple podcast episodes. Then after the NFL, I could move on to the NHL. Then I could go to the NBA. I think I'll be able to just stick with the NFL at this point. But I thought it was a pretty good idea considering 
we've had a lot of teams, several teams, change their uniforms and colors this offseason. But it was just really funny when he brought it up in front of the family. But it turned out it was actually a pretty good idea. And I think uh, it, was, it was just a really good moment on the family Zoom call over Easter. But we have the Rams that changed their logo, which I'll get to in a different episode. But, oh, my goodness. We have the Chargers. We've got the Colts, who have kind of changed some of their alternate logos. The Buccaneers got new uh, new colors. The Falcons got new colors. The Browns somehow got new colors. I don't know how you change brown, but somehow they're saying they've got new colors. <laughs> I believe the Patriots are coming out with new uniforms and colors as well. So look at that. My younger cousin was able to give me an idea for some future podcast episodes. I'll be able to throw this topic in there as well. So I thought that was uh, really funny, but new NFL uniforms and colors. I'll be able to rank some of those and give you my thoughts on what teams on the team's changes that they've made this offseason. So then we'll get to my final, final thought for this episode. The Michael Jordan documentary is being released early this Sunday, which is going to be really interesting to watch, at least in my opinion. I believe they're releasing parts one and two of this. I know Jordan, my roommate, is really excited to watch this. He said he's actually had a little part in helping create it as well, which is really cool. He said he's actually, his first name came from Michael Jordan's last name, Jordan Anderson. So that'll be really cool for him as well. I didn't get to watch Michael Jordan in his prime, or actually, I didn't get to watch him live at all, really. So this will be really cool for me to, to learn a lot about this. One thing that I'm really proud of that I've never done, whether it be on my old radio show or my old sports podcast or even at the beginning of this podcast so far, is I've never had the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan GOAT debate. It's something I actually uh, kind of pride myself on a little bit, as I don't believe I have the, the insight to make an accurate determination or a verdict between the two on this one. And that's why I'll, I'll try my absolute best to never actually have that debate. I mean, there's there's a show out there that you can go watch right now that is basically... LeBron versus Michael Jordan every day. So, I mean, you don't need me for that. Not only is it overdone, like I just mentioned, tenfold. But when people say, go watch highlights, if you didn't get to watch Michael Jordan, you'll see it. It just makes me laugh when they say that because you can watch highlights of almost any player. And of course, they'll look good. They'll look great. They'll even look, they'll look legendary in these highlights or whatever. But highlights obviously don't tell the whole story. And since I don't believe I have the whole story on either player, really, I refuse to debate the topic. But uh, it'll be really interesting to learn a lot more about Michael Jordan from this. I believe it's a 10-part documentary series that begins on Sunday on ESPN, which I'm sure I'll be able to discuss more on my podcast. So that'll be uh, really fun to watch this upcoming weekend for sure. So with that, I have nothing else for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Like I said, my mock draft. 2.0 in writing will go up on my website as soon as I finish with this episode and it's uploaded where you can read the rest of my second round selections. I hope you enjoyed this episode one week away from the 2020 virtual NFL draft next week. I'll have something fun planned for draft night hopefully and I'll have it done and released by Thursday instead of Friday. So make sure you stream and listen then as well. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and sane if it's all still possible at this point. But either way, thanks for listening this week. And that is the final final.